0: Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. How are you all all this morning? Yeah? Do I need to move this so you can see the screen? You can probably see over me, actually. Yeah, yeah, we know, Andrew. Yeah, <laughs> we're a smart lot, which is good because we're going to dive right into Galatians 4 this morning. Don't have a lot of time, clock's ticking, um, can't do the whole chapter this morning, that's fine. It's in three parts, I'm going to do the first two and we're going to race through the two very quickly. So you're ready? You texted your coffee orders? Are you well slept? Good, good. All right, we'll get straight into it. The first slide there, Galatians 4, 1. What I am saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. A bit of slavery on Sunday morning. We're getting right into it. Told you you needed a coffee. Here we go. Now, we know from reading Galatians, we know from listening to the services the past few weeks that Paul is writing to Jewish Christians, Christians who used to be Jews. They were very fervent in their faith. Um, They knew their tradition, but they have found God, right? They've got salvation. And so their whole mind frame has changed. But Jewish people understood these three themes, Slavery, um, children, and also heirs, and how that works through salvation. So just to, just to define these for us before we jump right into slavery, because we just need to set that up properly before we start using that word anymore, yeah? Um, so a slave is someone who lacks freedom, um, they lack rights, and therefore they lack hope. Yeah. So slavery in the Roman world was actually quite common. It was kind of a pseudo form of employment. It wasn't like getting whipped in the back as much as we understand it to be. Um, But it was still pretty bad, don't get me wrong. But there was some some good, a a little bit of good stuff in it. We don't have time to get into it this morning. Um, But anyway, um, definition number two, a child. So right, they're born into a family. They have a little bit of freedom, um, but they need to be told what to do. So they have instructions, they have discipline, um, but they're immature. But they have an identity because they're born into a family. Um, And an heir is fairly straightforward it's someone who uh, is about to or will inherit an estate, money, responsibility, a title, or ownership. So The story of the Jews is one of those three things, right? So they were slaves in Egypt. God brought them out towards the promised land. They were children in that sense. They were immature. God gave them rules. 613 in the Mosaic Covenant. Um, That's a lot, yeah? But they thought, how good is this? We're no longer slaves. We'll hang on to these 613 rules and commandments. But, yeah, we're actually pretty good heading on to the promised land. And then they knew that they would inherit heaven. They knew that they would inherit eternal life because they were God's people. So there's that identity there, right? And so with every covenant throughout the Old Testament, every eschatological step, the Jews would move through this process away from slavery towards freedom. And so Paul is using this... Uh, this understanding to talk to his Jewish audience, his Christian audience in Galatia 2,000 years ago. So the Jews had this, how good is this mentality? They, They understood that they had the blessings of God on them. But then Paul, being a Jew, being a Christian, he was like, no guys, we want to take this to the next level and this is why. So verse 4, if you've got it up on the screen, that'll be the second slide. Thank you. But when, the time, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Who's God's child? Who's accepted salvation? We've been born again, right? Holy Spirit comes into us. We are born again. When someone is born, you're born into a family. You're given a surname, a family name, right? You're given um, familial responsibility and inheritance and a standing in that family um, therefore an inheritance of sorts right who who's ever been through a process of, of probity you've had a loved one die be it a parent or a grandparent Um, or whoever, and you've had to go through the process of probity to unlock the estate to therefore get an inheritance. Have most people gone through that process? It's a horrible process, isn't it? You have to go through the grief of losing a loved one, um, but you understand that you are written into their will in some way, shape or form, right? So that goes through um, the New South Wales Supreme Court. I don't wanna get too boring, but it has to go through a particular process People are given the opportunity to take what's theirs if something is owed by that estate to someone else, Um, and then once that's all cleared, you get a lump sum, yeah? Apart from the solicitors handing you an invoice. (laughs) Any solicitors in the room? No? All right, that's fine. My brother's a solicitor. He's fine. He's a good guy, probably getting ready for church right about now, Um, but... That's, uh, that's part of the process, right? But once you do get that, that's debt-free. That's liability-free. You get this lump sum. And, like, how good is that feeling to get this huge chunk of money into your account? You just feel, like, really free, don't you? You just get this whole bit of money into your account. You go, oh, wow, what are we going to do with this? How good's this? And I remember when, uh, when I went through that process, I thought, that's fantastic. We went on a little bit of a holiday. Um, my wife and I and um, one of our kids didn't leave the other one at home. He wasn't born yet. Um, but we, we went through that. We just felt this freedom. We got this inheritance and there was this, this freedom. And like with our salvation, the Holy Spirit comes into us, authenticates ratifies and gives us unlocks this inheritance into eternity and it is it when when we think about our faith like that it is incredibly freeing it it makes us want to extend that to other people. It makes us want to talk about it with other people. It makes us want to invite people into church, invite people into our homes, invite their problems into our life so that we can bless them with the power of the Holy Spirit, yeah? Yeah, I often lose this excitement day to day and I'm sure you guys do too. Not to point the finger but that's the human side of our, our, um, our faith, I guess. And as we move on, Paul uh, Paul gets into this. So if we go to verse eight on the slides, formerly when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who, by nature, are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all all over again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I've wasted my efforts on you. That's heavy hitting words from Paul. Um, Talk about pointing the finger. But what he's getting at is that the Jewish Christians in Galatia were just starting to revert back to their Jewish ways. You know, Pastor Daz was talking about last week about looking at the trajectory of your decisions. And so when you're reverting back to these little um, ways of doing things, 've got to ask yourself, well is that beneficial and Paul, um, Paul was not saying that it 's bad, it 's just saying it 's a, a weak and miserable force, and so he 's just talking about unlocking the goodness in your Christian faith, and if you can think about it, he 's probably thinking about you know how hey guys. Why are you staying at home on Friday to observe the Sabbath? Go out on Friday. Have you tried prawns? They're fantastic. That's brilliant. Bacon? That'll change your life almost as much as the Holy Spirit will. (laughs) Anyway. hey. So get out of your Jewishness. We've got a a hallelujah up the back there. Um, But that's what he was talking about. And in Acts 14, I won't turn to it now in the slides or get you to turn to it um, in your Bibles, but... Acts 14, Paul and Barnabas in Lystra, in a, in, a, um, in a town called Lystra, which is in Galatia, they were stoned by the Jews there, they were left for dead outside, they were dragged out of the city walls, left for dead after being stoned, and then they came to, went back in and preached the gospel, because the Jews were talking to the Jewish Christians about coming back to their Jewish ways, right? And so he has literally risked his life to bring this message to Galatia and the Galatian church there. And that's why he's saying in verse 11, I fear for you that somehow I've wasted my efforts on you. Like, there's not much more effort that you can do. No one... Pastor Daz, Pastor Bron, you've never had rocks thrown at you and then got to the pulpit to preach, have you? I don't think so. Odds are you haven't. Anyway, uh, let's move on. Um, Verse 12. So I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. You did me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you, and even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. So he turns his tone around and he says, no, guys, there's something good in you. The Holy Spirit's working in you. You're actually really hospitable. You gave me blessings when I came to you last time. You really looked after me. I'm really thankful that I'm the benefactor of your hospitality. Um, But... You don't have to do all that Jewish stuff. You're free to to live in the inheritance of the sonship of God and Jesus. And you're free in the Holy Spirit. So then verse 15 says, where then is your blessing of me now? And there's a, a tone change in his letter. I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always, not just when I am with you. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. So I can just imagine Paul writing this letter to the church in Galatia and just thinking about that time he was stoned, hit by rocks, went back in to make sure that the right message was getting to them. He knew it, he lived there for a long time. In amongst the church, working along the, working alongside the lay members, and just building the congregations there, travelling around. So the, the frustration there, the frustration that he almost lost his life just to give the right message. And I think as we we look around the world right now, there are so many truths, and I'll say that with the inverted commas, someone's truth is totally different or opposite to someone else's truth. And we have the truth right here in the good word of God. And you just have to open up your social media. You have to open up the news forums. You just have to see that we just don't know, as a collective society, what the truth is anymore. And we're all scared and we're all um, victims of propaganda and wrong messaging and so we just have to think critically through everything that's bombarding us in the face and it is just so confusing and so we just need to find out as a society and particularly as a church in our society where the truth all lies we can't even get it right between churches so help us God yeah so help us God um, but it is, it is so annoying. And you just watch the news at the moment. We, we don't even know what freedom is anymore. And Galatians chapter 5 talks about freedom in Christ. And, you know, you look at the news last weekend. We've got people marching against COVID, fighting for freedom. And we've got people staying indoors in lockdown Sydney and Melbourne, fighting for their freedom, but doing it in separate ways and hating on the other bunch. Yeah? And we've got people who think that punching a police horse will lead to their freedom. All right? It's just nuts. It is absolutely nuts. But we know that we have the truth. We know that we have freedom in Christ through the Holy Spirit, through salvation. And we know that we have freedom because we have an inheritance in God eternal salvation, eternal riches, free from this world. How good's that, hey? Yeah, so we got uh, no. That's the hooter gone. Fifteen seconds ago. So we're going to get into some practical questions, okay? Um, and we're going to just have a chat uh, whilst uh, Pastor Daz gets ready to bring the next section. So do we have the next slide with the questions? Okay. So around your tables, number one. Maybe it's not, you can get into a bit of confession time if you want to, um, but maybe something to think about internally is are you turning back to weak and miserable forces? And where are the trajectory of your decisions going? Um, number two, whether you feel enslaved to some circumstances in your life, like if life is really hard or if life is really good, you feel like God's just pouring blessings onto you and it's just, you're thinking, how good's that? My life is the best it gets even better. So um, just have a, fee- have a think about the fact that do you feel like you're in air, whether life is good or bad? And number three, what is freedom? Do we really, truly, personally know what it is?
1: Thanks, Andrew. That was sensational. Chrissy, I loved Communion. But on a personal level, I've got to say my absolute highlight of the service was Kate Grace Bunnell leading a worship song. and that was. She does not like being the centre of attention, so I will keep it short. But uh, that was great. Galatians. Um, oh, just uh, This is maybe more for me than for you. Last week I made a joke about my coffee not arriving. And I got the feeling later on that someone thought I was serious. I just want you to know I'm not that big a prima donna, certainly not yet. And um, I was only having fun about my coffee not arriving. (laughs) Just to the boss back there. Yeah, great. Galatians chapter four. I've waited all week to tell you that. Um, As we get into this, um, there's always two groups at this time of the cycle of humanity. And uh, there's the pro Olympic watchers and there's the people who don't care. Can I just have a show of hands who doesn't care? Who, who is a pro Olympics watcher? Oh, it's, it's close. We just separated the Australians from the un-Australian, and I've, I've been amazed at how many people don't care. I thought I thought we all cared that um, uh, that once every four years we all really appreciate the sports we never want to see for another four years. I thought we we're all in the same group. So, Galatians chapter four, verses thirteen to sixteen. So Andrew, um, he was here to unpack the passage, my, my task today is to help us live out something from this passage and so Galatians chapter 4 verses 13 to 16, Paul says to them, um, surely you remember that I was sick when I first brought you the good news, but even though my condition tempted you to reject me, I mean how unwell have you got to be, you did not despise me or turn me away. No, you took me in and cared for me as though I was an angel from God or even Jesus himself. Where is that joyful and grateful spirit you felt then? I'm, I'm sure you would have taken out your own eyes and given them to me if that had been possible or if there had been a point. Um, have I now become your enemy because I'm telling you the truth? So uh, think about Paul here. He says, hey, you Galatians, you are awesome. You were legendary in my mind. There's something pretty incredible uh, about you. And I just want to know, what happened? It's kind of the, Tony's like, man, you, you guys were. When it came to living the Christian life, you guys were legends. But what happened? And so I, I want to talk to you today about recapturing or keeping our innocent awesomeness. And some of you might be going, Darren, I don't know that Christians have ever had innocent awesomeness. Well, I'd beg to differ. I reckon there's a lot of Christians who live incredible lives within the rhythm of the everyday. That they're doing the kind of things, the simple things that Paul's talking about here that are awesome. Like looking after a preacher who was really sick and probably nobody else wanted to look after him. I mean, even when we put our modern-day utopian filter on Paul being incredible, Paul was clearly a difficult person. Like, Paul, in some ways, Paul was a handful. And and I'm sure that Paul was not the easiest person in the room to look after when he was sick, despite the work of God in his life. And, and so recapturing our innocent awesomeness or just keeping it on track, depending on where we're at, because he says here... Um, in the early days of your faith, you, the way you lived blew me away. There, there, there was just something about you. You were, you were so good to me. You were, you were up for anything. You went the extra mile. Man, you guys were over and above in a way that really took my breath away. And then in Galatians 4, 19 and 20, it says, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. He's saying, "Hey, I'm so busted about you, and I'm so busted for you." And and I think you know when we see that kind of spirit in a person, we can we can we can we can receive that. I don't know if you were here last week. I talked about you know hearing hearing having having and hearing the conversation that needs to happen. And so someone rang me this week, or actually I rang them, and and in the course of that, they said, uh, "Hey, Daz, you and I had a conversation a little while ago that I felt like I should have spoken up." but I knew you would sort it out in yourself. I caught you raw immediately after the moment, and I thought, I need to just say this to Daz, but I left it because I thought, you'll sort it out. And so I said, oh, next time that happens, you should definitely tell me. That's helpful to me. Let's not assume I'll sort it out. And Paul's happening having that here, and, and what I knew about my friend was that it would bust him to have it. It would bust him. He, he didn't wanna, the reason he didn't want to have it was not because he's scared. He's actually courageous. But he, he didn't want to bust me. He didn't want to sting me. And, and But you know, it's an important conversation. Paul's saying, Man, I'm in pain by hearing where you're at. And it pains me to hear how you're going. I'm so busted and I'm so busted for you. And I'd, I'd love to change my tone, but I don't know how else to jolt you back into action. You're awesome. And he's saying, hey, let's, let's get back to that. And so he, he comes along and Galatians 4, verse 14 and 15 again. He says, even though my condition tempted you, I read that. He says, I want to get to the part where he talks about how awesome they are. Where is that joyful and grateful spirit you felt then? I'm I'm sure you would have taken out your own eyes and given them to me if that were possible. <laughs> Think about what he's saying. He's saying, hey, you were joyful. You were grateful. You're living over and above. You're up for anything because of Jesus and for Jesus. You, you were just there recapturing keeping our innocent awesomeness if you've been around I was weird I wrote this statement down if you've been around 30 years I thought mate that's a long time to be around serving God and I thought oh I've been around 29 serving God and how did that happen Um, or if you've been around three years or if you've been around three minutes in terms of your faith um, maybe you're not there yet I, I hope that should you cross that line you would do it well it's the only way to do it and, and Paul says to them, um, hey, wherever you're up to, or wherever you're up to, sorry, in your faith, I, I want us to pause and think about that. Because lots of people start well lots of things, don't they? Have you ever started a diet? You start well day one, day two, you're on fire. Day three, we're going well. Day four's a problem. If you've been three days into a diet this week, it's Muffin Sunday. You're at risk today. Day one, you'd get through today. I don't know how many times I've been caught by Julie Coleman in that kitchen after officially starting my latest diet, and I try not to get caught by hiding in the other room. So the, we start well, but not everybody finishes well. Not everybody matures well, and, and Paul's addressing that with him. You guys, in the early days of your faith, you were legendary, but right now in this season, there's some things to address and so he talks about that with them and here's the first question he really asks them. I want to give you two things really. Um, he says, hey, Galatians, what, what changed in you? Notice he, he, in the course of this he doesn't say what happened to you. He doesn't say, hey, what did anybody do to you that this is on them? He says, what, what changed in, in you? What is that? And, and that's important because life happens to all of us. Every single person in this room today will have a reason why they would pull back from the way they live their life, living it well, living their faith well. I can give you a long list. I don't need to look past Frank. I worked with Frank for five years. Al and I have been mates for a long time. I do not need to look past Frank and Al to find enough reasons to just step back from a faith in the way that I... They, 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 you have reasons, I have reasons, and Paul deliberately doesn't ask that question. He says, what changed in you? What changed in you because you were joyful, you were grateful, you were up for it, you were over or above in everything, and now you're in this place? And so, what changed in you? Thinking about that today, so joyful, so grateful, et cetera, um, innocent awesomeness, is anything, if you're not there, has anything changed in you? And if you are there, still there, I bet you've held on to some things that need to never change in us. I will sing about this message, I'll sing about um, the school my kids go to. And I can remember the first time I stood... I didn't go to a school like theirs. Um, And I can remember... In fact, I went to the school that was rated number one worst school in the state at one time. And and, uh, I remember standing there with my mate Mick Dormer. The kids were little. In my first... um, like, uh, It wasn't an assembly. It was like a spectacular or something. You know those nights you do your emails in. and um, Or I try to. Broad actually stops me. But I remember... I remember I was at the end of it and I stood there next to Mick and we'd both come from very similar school backgrounds and we both just looked at each other and went, can you believe our kids go to this school? And we were just in awe of the environment. And I remember going away and and somewhere, I, I don't remember if I said it to him, I think I did, but just in case I didn't, I remember going away thinking, I never want to lose that. I want to have when my kids get to the end, I want to have the same grateful, joyful, cannot believe they got to go here spirit that we started with. And I can honestly say Bella is just doing her year 12 trials right now. And I feel the same way about it. Is it new like it was then? No. But, 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 but over the years, there's been moments where we consciously, Bron and I, I know, have consciously gone, we're so grateful, we're so thankful. We're always, you know, I'll drive in there and and, uh, they've got white picket fence. It's very different to the school I went to. I can assure you we had no white picket fences. If we did, they weren't for long. They soon became timber on the fire down at the local park and just want to stay with that spirit. Thankful for the staff. Thankful for everything. Thankful for the buildings. You know, the other great thing about the school that my kids go to, because they believe heavily in the sovereignty of God, I can speed on their grounds because once you walk there, it's not my will, but it's God's. I just want to keep that spirit and, you know, around the kids, around the, and and, and I think that's the kind of spirit I I can see Chrissy, who loves, loves being the centre of attention even more than Kate. You know, Chrissy is standing where Chrissy stood 16 years ago when Bron and I started. Same place. Same humble spirit. And in the early days, and I've, you know, I haven't said this for a few years, I would just get so discouraged in my soul because I wanted so much to happen. And every single day I would wake up and every single day I'd thank God for Chrissy. And I'm still thanking God for Chrissy. She hasn't lost it. She's kept the awesome or the innocent awesomeness of a faith and gone, I'll just serve back here, I'll bless people, I'll help people. For 16 years and well before I started to pastor, well before that, I mean, imagine it. Imagine raising Jules Coleman and keeping a great spirit. That, that is a, that's an incredible, miraculous, only God thing. And so just, hey, what's, what's changed in us? Let, let's keep a great spirit. Let's, let's keep it on track. And then, and then the other thing is, um, and so we talk about that, what's changed in me, just thinking about that in our lives. And then the other thing... Um, just what needs to change? Is there anything that needs to change to recapture that spirit? In the book of Revelations, um, the Bible talks about the church that lost its first love. And it says, hey, remember, remember from what great heights you've fallen. Repent and return to the things you did at first. So you say it actually says you lost your first love. And, and I think that's really helpful in living with innocent awesomeness for me. It's like, hey, I, I want to remember. I never want to forget, always like the kids' school, never forget, always remember. You know, Chrissy's done that. Never forget, always remember. Um, uh, uh, And just just getting that right in our lives, never forget. I wonder, you know, uh, it's amazing how many people when they join our church, they remind me how how good it is to be part of a local church and they'll tell you the stories of why they they love it or whatever. Uh, But, you know, it's amazing how many people start well but don't end well. Um, but what changed? Was it me? I'm pretty well the same as I was 16 years ago. Do I struggle? Am I imperfect? I think so. Um, you know so. Um, am I worse? Maybe in some ways am I better? Maybe in others. Uh, have I lost touch with the common man as um, Andy and Hamish like to, uh, uh, not Andy and Hamish. Yeah, Andy and Hamish like to put it. I don't think so. I think I'm pretty common men, but whatever the case. I think our church is essentially the same it has its ups downs ebbs flows struggles strengths all the rest of it but the same we always try and be back to the same spirit so what's changed a little bit of us but a lot in them and I want to always remember I would never want to forget and, and I'll give you a great example when I first became a Christian I used to walk into my our church you know I was just a kid really and I'd walk into the church and I'd always be in awe you know I'd have a key I don't know why they trusted me with one but they did and and I didn't lose it and Actually, I probably did, but yeah. yeah. They, um, but I remember I'd walk through that little building and I'd just be like, oh, how good is this? How good is it? And then I remember when, when we started at the, the building over on the edge of town and I, I'd just get in there on my own and go, oh, can't believe I get to be here. Can't believe I get to do this. And the building next door, I don't know how many times I've sat in there alone just going, oh. And here, in this. And then I realised that what's changed in me, what might need to change. I realised that in the busyness of life, I walked past it a lot in the last year. And I went, oh, I need to recapture that in my life. I want to walk in here and be in awe of what God's done. I want to walk in here and make sure I slow down enough for his presence like to just to capture to sense that and just to never forget to always remember to make that that change in my life and I wonder I wonder for you I, that's helpful to me I wonder what it is for you what 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 changed and put a full stop after that don't not what happened to us and then what, what's the change that I need to make I, I think that is incredibly helpful in our lives and it's good to just wander back, to remember, as it says, never forget, always remember. And then it says repent. I think that's so powerful. These were good people if you read the text. It says, hey, you just need to actually need to do more than make a shift. You actually need to put this right. And I think that's important. And then it says return. Just, just think about the things you did at first. Maybe not the specific thing, though maybe, but the, the spirit of the thing and how you went about it. Like the way I walk into this room. It's a different room. We're in a different place. But I want to maintain the spirit of how I enter this room when I walk in here on my own, and all of those kinds of things. What, what about what about you? I wonder what you need to do to remember. You know, yesterday I didn't tell Brian as I wrap. I drove home from the gym, and I I I grew up in Sydney's equivalent of Coldale, only a hundred times uh, more challenges. And I drove myself through Coldale. I drove that way home, just to always remind myself of my life and God's goodness and and what people are going through and all of that and then I drove up to the old Blue Cross building and I just sat there and paused and then I drove down here past these facilities and then I drove home and it wasn't because I was doing this message I didn't even think of that till this morning it was like I just always and I'll do that a few times a year just want to remember I want to make sure I remember and I always want to make sure that I'm returning to that spirit that is that that, that god calls us to live with on the inside so what about you is it where are you at is is the innocent awesomeness there is there something to remember is there something to repent of is there something to return to let's be those kind of people let's live that kind of life let's start well mature well finish well in jesus name
0: hey again thanks so much for joining us on this podcast whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of jesus there's a next step for you.